This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. It's the MVSP Season 3, Episode 65. Welcome to the show, everybody. Brandon Worth and Joe Nagy, as well, along with you guys, as always. Can't speak already in the first part of the show. Joining us though in the studio, got our good friend Jeff Walker. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Good Very to excited you. to have you on, especially with your expertise in the NFL, as the NFL draft is happening tonight, tomorrow, and Saturday. So that's going to be a blast. But before we get into the NFL, we're going to hop into the Fair State Sports Report because there's a lot to talk about for this weekend, especially with the school year closing. And that means that the seasons for everything else is going to close. So, Brandon, what sport should we start off on? Ah, uh, just pick one, flip a coin out of my head. Uh, let's softball. Go. There we go, softball. You were actually thinking the same wavelength I was. Uh, gonna have some big games coming up uh, tomorrow when this um, show airs. Um, that'll be Friday against Wayne State. Um, some big games there, um, as well as I believe we're gonna be back at it again on Monday. Um, when we take on, or is it Saturday? It's actually. three. It's three days in a row. It's tomorrow, Saturday, and Sunday. Yep. Yeah, that is right. So loaded. Loaded weekend is a understatement this weekend. Loaded weekend. Um, for Ferris Athletics altogether, and I mean for softball, you're looking at a position now where you're coming off of a pretty hot performance uh, against Parkside, uh, being able to wake the bats up. Um, Northwood really played a pretty solid game overall. Obviously, Mother Nature had other plans to kind of kill that memo. Thanks, Mother Nature. You've been really just vicious over this month of April, but it is what it is. But, I mean, only we were taking a really good Northwood team, and we were only down one run going into the, I believe it was the sixth inning, when eventually the game was called. Um, and then these, the nightcap was also postponed due to weather. But, I mean, overall, just looking kind of at that game, I mean, we were seeing some pretty good things. I mean, we definitely were fighting down the stretch. Northwood had a had an early, I think it was 4-1 lead um, after three, and then we were able to respond with a big four, top of the fourth, scoring two. Um, and I think that was something that was really good for us. I mean, we were able to, to use the extra base hits to our advantage. Uh, Paige Quartz hit another home run. That is a record uh, at Ferris State, so shout-out to Paige on breaking that mark, as well as Kylie Winkles added a double as well. Um, and I believe there was three RBIs total from those three runs altogether. But definitely had some positions where, like, we we left some people on base, but it's not the, it was not to the caliber that we had seen from earlier in the season that we were definitely able to take advantage at part of those games. Uh, but still, got to make sure we get everybody across the plate. Mm-hmm. And especially with coming back home, we have such a bigger field that the that we can really do some damage, especially those extra base hits, uh, because when you get into the gap, like because all these all these players on the outfield are having to play so far apart from each other and play a little bit farther back, or they're playing a little bit farther in, so that way you can kind of take advantage of that and kind of get them get them to over over cheat a little bit in, especially with Northwood when we played them, because Northwood's field I think is pretty short. I'm pretty sure Wayne State's field is short at home, so when they come to our field, it's a little bit of advantage, especially seeing that it's a little bit bigger. So I think that's going to be the big thing is just trying to – extra base hits will be lovely if we get runners on base, but just trying to get it to uh, – Get it to the outfield instead of trying to, you know, outrun it to first, which we can do, but that's not always the best option. Yeah, definitely erase the top of the fifth out of this game. That was like the big exclamation point that snuck out to me was when we, I believe we had bases loaded or at least two on. I want to check. Yes. So we had bases loaded, nobody out. 
came out with no runs in that inning. That's yep. just been the story. That really has been the whole story. But, I mean, this team has been resilient, and, I mean, we are still fighting back, especially going in um, into the final frames and just the fact of that it ended up pretty much kind of getting called off. I mean, I think we would have definitely put up a really good fight in game two just based off what we saw. Because Northland's a really good team. They, mm-hmm. they really they really swing the bats well, um, and they, they are able to generate runs really well. So being able to see the pitching um, do very solid overall. I mean, we saw some great innings um, overall from Christina Barr and as well as Christy Gray as well. Um, so I think there was a lot of good things that you can pull out of that Northwood game. Obviously, we could be better, um, try to get on top a little bit earlier, uh, get some more runs in the earlier innings. I do love the fact that we're fighting back, though. That is a good step in the right direction. But, uh, I mean, overall, you're looking at these weekend games as, really, you got to get them all, right? Because yeah. we're in a position where you still got to fight into the GLIAC tournament, and these this these games are going to be where it's going to take, where yeah. it's going to have to happen. I mean, they, they really need to start out strong with the bats really uh want to start off strong and get a couple runs early gives themselves like a comfortable lead just so they can you know kind of relax and Mm -hmm. get into their groove on the defensive side so they're not too worried about you know oh we got to really we really got to hold these guys you know get out old get out over quick you know to a 2-0 lead and then you know you could really just settle in a little bit more and then you can get more comfortable Mm -hmm. and then you know they got the tournament coming up so you know they're gonna have to get hot at the right time and now's the time yes exactly. I, love, I love the optimism getting hot at the right time really it seems kind of like a cliche but it's so true especially yeah. in a sport like softball where i mean just it's not necessarily like the games can change on a dime so fast and it's so hard to re- replenish that momentum that you can have at one point of the season because i mean especially again the park side like pats were scorching hot right you could literally like just see everybody on the stat sheet one hit two hits three hits it was just like it was a hit party i guess is what you would say but uh then at the end over to the northwood game we only have four hits through six innings i mean that's just kind of it just kind of shows how that sport can just generate such a momentum shifts overall and you still have a lot to look forward to and i'm obviously we still got a lot to wait and see and it's going to be huge coming up this weekend because i mean i Keep mentioning it. It's like a broken record. These games are winnable. Don't look at the record because mm-hmm. we put ourselves in positions. We have the ability to capitalize, and we do that. We can be, beat these teams. We just got to get runs across the plate, and that's this recipe that's needed for success because we're showing that we can do everything else. We just got to get the runners across the plate. Mm-hmm. I think the big thing is making sure, like especially what Jeff said about make, like mitigating the damage in the first inning, because every time that we've gone down in the first inning, our approach at the plate has gone incredibly, incredibly south, I think, because we're instead of trying to, you know, just create some create some noise with the bats, you're more just trying to be like, wow, like I have like I have to get a hit here or I have to get on base or else we're just going to have quite the hole to dig ourselves out of. And that mentality is not the best thing to have, especially when you're going up against these good teams like Northwood, when you have good pitching teams like Grand Valley, and when you're going to have Wisconsin Parkside coming up, who we can, who we saw we can put uh, numbers up against, but they can just do the same as well. I mean, 14 to 10 the first game, 6 to 5 the second game. So it's going to be tough, but I think if we just play really well the f- or try to get the mitigate the damage in the first inning by playing solid on the defensive side and giving us a chance to do some damage while we have the bats in the bottom of the first when we come back home that's going to be a big w and i think that's going to be the reason why we can you know pull some of these games out yep i mean really just you pretty much said it like you know in that first inning if they get down you know 
it's it's a lot harder because then you're you're up to the plate and you're thinking like okay well I gotta get a hit I need a hit we gotta have a hit here instead if you just jump out early or you or you're good defensive early and then you get bats moving early and you jump out to a lead then you're more comfortable going up to the plate and you're just relaxed so you know you're ready for everything and when you have a relaxed uh, composure going up to the plate you know you're more likely to get a hit. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. The approach is going to be key going into this weekend. And I mean, especially being able to critique those things now so that we can make that May 8th jump when the GLIAC tournament begins. So, but you can follow all those online at FairStateBulldogs.com. Anyway, moving on over to the tennis courts. Big weekend coming up. GLIAC tournaments on deck. Going to be huge. Going to be huge for this program to see how we attest as up. Looking to defend our crown. And I mean, one big thing that I just found, I just found out, according to Jeffrey, who's doing the great inside reporting, Morgan Waller's back. And she's going to be likely playing in this GLIAC tournament. She made an appearance at the Saginaw Games over the weekend. That's what we like to see. So it's going to be huge. I noticed that there was one thing um, that was kind of strange. It seemed, I think that they actually, when I look back at the score sheet, that it said that her match, she retired or had a retirement in the match. So I think that was the only time that we that that was the one point I should say that Saginaw got from that was like she didn't finish yep. the game, which I thought was very interesting. But obviously, it's probably precautionary. You don't want to obviously get go back too fast. Right. Um, so I'm sure that was a precautionary measure. I'm sure that it's going to be okay. Um, but I mean, huge to have her back this weekend. I mean, especially for how well um, they played against Saginaw, they really showed that any matchup is willing for this team. I mean, we saw a lot of great doubles performances. Parker Nolan and got a clack taking down the one match that was huge for us. Um, and then just seeing all the the dominance as far as singles is concerned. I believe there was only one match that went into three uh, went into three sets. So that just shows you the dominance that we played over the weekend. That was well needed, um, especially after the rough weekend we had last. And that's the right the momentum boost that we need going into this weekend because trophies on deck. Time to play at your best. Because mm -hmm. we got the bye, so kind of got to make sure you're playing solid and getting ready for the. Because I mean, men's got the bye, right? Men's got the bye. Women's men's got the bye. Go women's are sure. playing in the first round, so. It's going to be solid. I'm pretty excited for it, especially yeah. seeing that, like, we're going to be playing some two, two really – we have the chance to play either, what is it, Lake State or Mich or Lake – It's uh, Lake Superior State now. Yep, yep. State women's will play Lake yeah. State, and men are going to await the matchup of, I believe, is it is it North – or it's not uh, Northwood and uh, – no, it's not Northwood. Uh, no. I'm totally blanking right now. I'll look that up here in just a second. <laughs> bad radio, bad radio, bad, bad radio. Bad radio for sure. But I think that regardless of who the opponent is – um, as, especially if you're looking at the men's side with a bye, you're still looking at all the fundamentals that got you here. And um, oh, I believe it's, it's Grand Valley or Lake State. Thank you. I was like, I, thought I knew it was, I knew it's Lake State. But. Yeah, yeah. So likely, just saying off of, you know, what would prediction be is we're probably gonna get GV again, which would be an awesome matchup for especially for a two versus three seed. Um, so that's gonna be huge. And I think looking at both of those teams, I mean, obviously you see. Um, the rivalry with GV, but Lake State's a pretty solid team too. They can, they've definitely had their streaks so far this season. Uh, like I think the consistency was really only their concern overall as a team. But I think you definitely look at, especially having a single elimination tournament as as a team with a bye. That really you're looking at teams that are going to make that momentum push off of round one, and that's been something that I feel like the GLIAC tournament altogether with throughout all sports and even the CCHA tournament as well where you see teams that might not necessarily be, I mean, they're the lower seed, but really it does come down to playing best at that moment of time because there's been so many times where we've seen 
teams at the lower end of the seed spectrum, they play well in the play-in game. And then pretty much they're playing at their best when they're going into that 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 next round, that semifinal or final match. And I, it really comes down to that. And as the bye, you kind of got to put yourself in the position of you know that team's going to be playing at their best coming in. So you don't necessarily treat them as a six seed. You treat them as the three seed of who wins this, right? Yeah, like Numbers really don't matter as far as the tournament seeding. It just determines who you play, when, where. Um, so when you look at those, uh, you look at the matchups that you have going in. If you're Matisse and Jan, you know you're going to be playing the top two guys on the other side. We know we have other guys that are going to have to step up and be big in those three, four matches as well in the singles because those are going to be crucial for us moving forward. And, I mean, the depth of both teams, too, it really brings a lot of positivity going into this tournament, knowing that we have guys that we've rotated in that can play in those big matches because we had to play some huge matches this year against Northwood, against GV at home, that you have those that experience against some of these teams, and you're going to have to bring that success over um, mm-hmm. when teams are going to be playing at their best that already have that game under their belt, especially for the women's side, or for the men's side, and then for the women's side, use that momentum from that first game and carry it over against the good teams. Yeah. I mean, I like the buy to be honest. Yeah, it's, I feel like you know the buy. I mean? Yeah, the buy is just kind of like it's there, and you can understand it, but it's almost like you just make it eight at that point, one v eight, and everybody plays the same. It can either hurt you or it could help you. Yeah, exactly. If you're, like, let's yeah. say you're an unhealthy team, you know, going in, you got that week to get everyone healthy, then that that's that's helping you. Mm-hmm. But if you're on a hot streak and then you gotta slow down, take a week off. Then it kind of hurts your momentum a little bit. I guess it's all right because, I mean, we did lose the last match this season, so that wasn't the worst. Like I guess like we'll just have a chance to be able to scout both teams by watching them the first day, but I don't know. Yeah. I'm not, I, I've always been like I'd rather just like start at the start and just keep playing. Like I don't care like if you have to play another one. But, Everybody at the same level. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would say so. But I think you look at where like the tournament is at together – like I said, they they do this so that there's prominence going into the regular season, right? Because obviously having a buy is pretty sweet, and I think that definitely brings you like a sense of urgency as far as um, you can you can move yourself to a position where oh yeah we're we're in the three spot right now. Like a three or a, or getting a three or a two seed isn't necessarily as bad or as like as far as a one through eight tournament wouldn't necessarily be as much beneficial as. Yeah, we get up to the two seed, we get a week off. And especially if you're a team like like our women's side, for example, that could use that that extra week of health, that would be absolutely huge. And I think that was that's something that they want to bring to the tournament altogether. But I can understand your point of like, yeah, you kind of have that vibe of everyone start at the same time, let's watch everybody play the first round and, and be able to kind of go from there as far as uh, like the even playing field, because obviously teams with a bye have an advantage of having to play less games. You can obviously make the argument they're less tired going into round two compared to the ones that just played. But in experience, that hasn't necessarily worked out all the time because that kind of actually can bring you and pull and make you play cold um, as compared to those hot teams from those earlier rounds. So it's a very interesting format, and it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out because, I mean, we got some really good teams, especially um, on both sides in that, that early round, first round matches. Um, for or from three through six, so yeah. any, anybody can take these teams for sure. So I mean, it'll be like the standings comparison of like the chunkage of like yeah, obviously there's a there's an A tier, a B tier of kind of where it's split off based on record. Uh, but I mean, that just shows you like there's four capable teams within a game of each other going into this tournament. There's four contenders right off the get go, and obviously we're gonna have a Cinderella. It's probably going to happen. Um, if not, then the tournament will be kind of boring. But 
there's still a lot to be uncovered here, and obviously we'll be waiting for it here on the first round starting up tomorrow, Friday. Yep. Could be a good one. Going to be a good one for sure. Um, those games are all going to be played at Midland, uh, but you can follow along, I believe, on the GLIAC website. They should have live results there. Um, so you can follow along and see how our dogs do as they hopefully advance to round two for the women's side so we can say them, see both of those teams play on Saturday as well. So going to be fun. Time to bring the crown back to Big Rapids. That's the goal. Uh, anyway, finishing out Fair State Sports Report, uh, track is on deck. We're going to be heading to Davenport this week. Uh, for those that didn't um, weren't able to learn that Hillsdale got canceled, unfortunately. They have mm. water damage on their track. Um, I hate to see it. So you hate to see it, but what, is it, what does that mean? Like, what, like they're standing water or something? Basically, the track, like the top layer, is ruined. Like, I'm there. It's probably mm. tore up and all that, and it's probably water. How um, that like, water depleted? I I have no idea what the details were. Maybe it was the the snow finally ha- that was heavy enough where it made enough water damage. But I'm not totally sure. That track was already pretty pretty dated. Uh, it's one of the first mono tracks put in, I believe, in the state. So I think it's definitely. A what was it called? A mondo track? A mondo track. It's a little bit different. It's more of like a, a waffle pattern instead of more like a more of like a, a straight pattern. Oh, yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah, it is weird. It's a unique track for sure. Does I, it feel I really, different when you run on it? Uh, it does a little bit. It feels different, but uh, it's it's like semi-noticeable, um, but it's not like it's not like going from grass to turf difference, if that makes sense. But uh, Davenport will be where everybody's competing. Um, we actually have some competing, I believe, uh, tomorrow on Friday for some of the, the throws events, um, as well as there's some longer distance events. I believe a vast majority of both teams will be taking part on Saturday. The faster events, I'll be in the 15 and 800. How I got convinced to do that, I don't know, but we'll figure it out <laughs> as we go. I'm not a speed guy, but I got to learn um, over the next uh, 48 hours, but we'll figure it out. Uh, but it should be fun. Uh, there's going to be a lot of teams at this meet that were originally going to Hillsdale and now are going to make the trek up to Caledonia for that meet, so it's going to be cool. The, the the legit races on Friday will probably be really interesting to watch. I know there's guys that are already in the sub-14 range in the 5K, which is absolutely ridiculous. Those yeah. guys are going to be looking for national standards, uh, which is just mind-boggling to think about. But uh, it should be really fun. It should be a really nice tune-up meet. Is That's really what it is going into conferences next week at GV. Um, and really, it's going to be just dialing it all in, fixing the tweaks, and try to get off a quick twitch as fast as possible and roll it over into next week, Thursday and Friday for the big one. Yeah, it's going to be sick. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Pretty exciting. It's going to be fun for sure. Now, there's a lot of competition at this meet, which is going to be really nice. Um, I wish I, I kind of wish that we had some people in the Friday meet. Um, so you like I could go down and watch some of those races because those are gonna there's some elite guys in Division Two that are gonna be in some of those races and it's gonna be fun to watch. But there's gonna be a really good competition day two as well. Um, for when we compete, there's Sick. gonna be a lot of good got good fast teams there. But anyway, that's gonna do it. I believe for the Fair State Sports Report. And if you haven't heard, there's a little thing called the NFL Draft. You may have heard of it. Well, it's it's going, some some slight. Yeah, some just slight. a slight thing. We're gonna get into all of that right after this. Are you looking for part time or full time work or a potential internship? Eagle Village could be the place for you. It is a great place to make the impact on the lives of youth and is a mission opportunity very close by to Ferris State University. I've worked there. It's a fantastic place. If you want to learn more, make sure to check out eaglevillage.org. Eagle Village, where potential soars. Here we go. Thursday. It's draft day. Kevin Costner fans know exactly what I'm talking about. 
Uh, it is going to be a special night indeed. 32 picks will be taken tonight. 32 lives changed forever. Um, Crazy stuff. Certainly going to be interesting to see how the order plays out. We've already heard a lot of rumors going around um, about some teams potentially looking to move up, move down, um, and a lot of players flying up and flying down the draft boards. Uh, and certainly going to be one for the ages. Obviously, me and Joe did our mock draft this last week. I believe it was Thursday. Was it Tuesday or Thursday? I can't remember. Uh, Tuesday. Tuesday, last Tuesday. So if you want a full mock draft, me and Joe went through all the first 32 picks uh, on our that recent episode. Or you can find uh, the uh, image of them, which I know Jeffrey Edge was investigating yesterday of our mock draft and critiquing, which we'll talk about here in a minute. I looking closely at you, Joe. <laughs> yeah, we'll get, we'll get into that in just a minute, but you can follow that all at the MVSPN Instagram and Twitter to find all that information and more. Um, but yeah, I think the, the one of the biggest things that we're starting to see here on the rumor side, um, number one, doesn't look so locked up now. Rumors spreading around. Jacksonville not looking at Aiden Hutchinson with that first overall pick. Joe, what is your first thought? Sounds like your computer doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like your computer's gotta get turned on there, Brandon. But I don't know. I think uh, it's gonna be pretty solid. Uh, I would like to see him at in Detroit. I think, especially with kind of what he's been able to do in Michigan, and then also just him like being the player that he is and where he's at. I think he'd fit really well in Detroit because I think we're only a few pieces away from being. Oops, sorry, I touched your foot there, Brandon. I touched uh, my foot. Um, I think we're only a few pieces away from uh being a no, I wouldn't say a play, like a strong playoff contender, but a team who could shake up a lot of a lot of other teams. So I think if we get him, it's gonna be solid. I would hope that Detroit picks him if he's there, but I don't know. Jacksonville just has so many needs that they could just pick a they could pick a garbage can and put him out on the field, and it would probably make an improvement for what their uh, record's gonna be. Yeah, Kenneth Walker take another running back in the first round. He probably I mean, could. I mean, <laughs> that was such so bad. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, Jeffrey. Is it is it true? I think we think Aiden Hutchinson gonna be a lion. Um, I don't know. It's hard to tell. Like, there's you you hear some rumors where okay, he's for sure the best edge rusher in the draft, and then you hear some rumors where okay, well, what are his limitations? He's not. Uh, he doesn't have the longest arms. Will it translate to the NFL? Like, there's some mock draft I've seen where he like slides out of the top five. Yeah, that's so it's, it's I mean it's crazy to see, but it all depends on what Jacksonville does. Yeah, it I, really does. But I think years past, I mean, especially last year, the draft started at three, right? I mean, it was pretty locked up. Trevor Lawrence followed by Zach Wilson, and then which quarterback would come next? Trey Lance or Mac Jones? So the the draft this year is much more wide open. Not as many clear candidates for the top overall spots. Uh, and I think Jacksonville's in a pretty unique situation because, I mean, they, they just locked up Cam Robinson for a three-year deal. Are they sold for him on the long haul, or are they going to be looking in another direction to even fill on the other side as well, getting somebody potentially like Evan Neal or Ikokwanwu as well? Um, so that's it's going to be really interesting. I think it's pretty locked up, though, that they're looking at either offensive or defensive line, the first overall pick. And I think if we're the Lions, I think everybody would be fair to say, and obviously we can – we can get into that a little bit more here in a second of the biggest thing we need is an edge. Need to rush the passer. So really, we got four four legitimate options. Three people would say no about, but I know Jeffrey really likes four candidate. What do you like so much about Jermaine Johnson? Man, uh, he what he does well is, as well as, uh, as an edge rusher, 
um, his pass rush, but also he's a good run stopper as well. So I mean, and he's also he's also athletic. Uh, he's he's a, he's an athletic freak. So he tested you know good numbers at the combine. He had a good uh, senior day uh, at the at the senior bowl. Um, so he's just he's been making impressions, and then he's also you know he's he's you know he has a little bit of chip on his shoulder. So you know that's uh, you got to look at people like that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think another name you could throw in that category, Trevon Walker, as well. Um, as a guy that's very, uh, he's definitely pretty flexible, good run stopper, uh, pass rushing as far. Um, he, I think, isn't as developed, but I think a lot of teams are going to see that as an opportunity to develop into a special player where guys like Hutchinson and Thibodeau already have that have that elite wrecking a game ability, which is why they're usually one and two when it comes to the edge rushers off the board and what we'd like to see tonight as well. Uh, but I think right now, if you're the Lions, you're in a position where, I mean, you could go a different route. But I think it's probably fair to say that whichever is the best edge available, which one, if the Jags don't select one or do select one, whoever's highest on their board in the edge department um, will probably end up in their lap round two. I feel like the Jags will select an edge rusher, but I'm not sure if it's going to be Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, because... Because there has been there have been buzz around they like really like Trevon Walker as a number one pick just because of his potential. Which he's is yeah he's crazy been crazy to think about. He's 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 been like really talked about a lot the past like couple weeks as like a really number one option now, which I don't I don't really see because um, I look at his tape, um, nothing really stands out. I mean he's 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 good. Don't get me wrong, but with the first the second pick, I just don't know. It's just it's just a little bit too much unproven to for me to pick him up at that spot. I get the upside, but it's just too much of a risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's I think it's fair to say that if you have the first two or one of the first two picks or three picks or four picks or five picks, you want a sure thing, right? Exactly. You, like if I I heard this baffling stat uh, from I believe it was the the Morning Woodward show that. There's only since like 2000 or 2002, the number two overall pick has been a hit 52% of the time, meaning it's a coin flip if they're going to work out or not. And that's the second guy on a board in a draft, the second best player of potentially 300 elite football players that are in a position where they're going to be on a professional football team. And the fact is the second best guy theoretically on everybody's board could miss that's so, just yeah. that just shows you how much that there goes into this process and why there's so much that analytics come involved uh, measurements which i personally don't like when people just go strictly off of measurables because i love I, i'd rather trust the tape than actually like mm-hmm. judging off of just just statistics of what their measurements were but i mean it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see what jacksonville does because there's a lot of different ways they can go and i mean i think it's especially like with the the first, I would I want to say five teams, um, and probably the, the Giants might be the only really true exception where like Jacksonville, Detroit, Jets, Texans all have a pretty common mo of like, yeah, we need a lot, <laughs> a lot. So really, anything's gonna benefit in those top picks available, where you're not necessarily like a team that's a little bit lower down the list of uh, potentially like you could look at a team. Uh, like the Washington football team doesn't have as many needs 
as some of other teams as well, especially like the Vikings as well, uh, where teams are going to be kind of more specifying uh, certain positions, not necessarily as best player available. But GMs are different too. Uh, but one of the biggest questions, obviously, in this draft as well, where will a quarterback be selected? We've seen a lot of mock drafts. I know mm-hmm. that I've seen one that was, I believe, a month ago that had Malik Willis dropping to 32. That would be really? insane. I don't think it's going to happen, but yeah. that just shows you how up in the air this quarterback class is. And I saw one, I think, two weeks ago that had four, or oh, I think, almost, I want to say five. Or I think probably, I think it might have been four. We'll say four, because it would have been Ritter, it would have been Corral, Pickett, and Willis all go in the top 20. Like, it's just going to be, are you in that bad of a need for a quarterback? Because on this class, I think we could all agree. Tear not down, the, not tear down nice. from it's, what we've saw the last B-tier. couple years. It's B tier compared to A and S tier that we've been seeing these past couple years. And I'm not saying that like these guys couldn't really make a splash in the NFL. It's just seeing what they were able to do in college. And a lot of them came from schools that weren't big. You know, like we saw like Mac Jones who came from Alabama, who if you're a good quarterback in Alabama, like you're going to transfer to the league and stuff. And you, when we see that and we see like these players who are from, you know, Pittsburgh and from Ole Miss, who aren't necessarily powerhouses in college football, but they're still good programs nonetheless. When you see them kind of play and, like, they don't always have, like, the best games or whatever, it's not always going to translate. So I think that's the one thing that a lot of people are talking about is you can either have these guys, like, go crazy in camp and transfer into the NFL life really well, or you could have them just really fall apart uh, when it comes to them getting their welcome to the NFL moment, whether it be in camp, whether it be in the first game or whatever. But it's like these guys really haven't been facing a lot of talent that can really transfer over and give some sort of view into what the NFL is going to be really like. Yeah, I think there's, when you look at the list of teams that are going to be looking towards probably taking a quarterback, I think there's really, truly, like I think there's a couple of teams you might be able to make an argument for as of now. I think there's probably, I think there'd be probably four teams that you'd have in mind uh, that stick out to me as like immediate need that you're going to be addressing in the future. The Panthers, the Falcons, the Seahawks, and then the Steelers are going to be the top four. Then there's going to be other teams, too. They're going to be considering it, uh, like the Washington football team, or obviously, um, like we said, almost every year, the Saints. Uh, so they they could be looking at a quarterback as well. But you look at a lot of the, the teams that are in those positions, and, I mean, you literally have three of them at the bottom of the top ten. So you would think, and theoretically, if they're going to fall that far, that's going to be like, yeah, it's a little bit of a reach, but it's safe compared to letting them slide into the teens where we're going to start seeing trades fly like crazy. Uh, but I think there's definitely the argument, though, that I I don't is Malik Willis sold as the number one guy? Because we've seen a lot of Kenny Pickett that have been taking over him in some mock drafts before. I know I like Willis's upside more than Kenny Pickett, but if you're a team necessarily like the Steelers, I mean... Kenny Pickett falling into your lap would be wonderful because you're in a win-now situation. He's the most pro-ready. That's true. Uh, the Steelers are reportedly, I guess the rumor is, they've been really high on Malik Willis like throughout this whole process. And I believe that Malik Willis is obviously, he has the most upside, the most potential to be uh, the, the, the best quarterback in this draft with his athleticism and his arm and then you know those stuff that you have to work on with his accuracy um him reading coverages um but with Kenny Pickett I believe that he he's he's a little bit more pro ready but 
I feel like his ceiling is like really just it's it's where it's at right now. Mm-hmm. Like he he's not gonna get much better than what he is right now. And uh, really, what I what I see what I see happening is one of these teams like uh, like the Panthers. Obviously, they're gonna stay put at six and see if one of these quarterbacks fall in their lap. But now you got teams like the Seahawks, uh, the Falcons, and you got uh, the Steelers who are like, okay, well. Malik Willis is obviously like he's the he's the number one like potential quarterback. So how can we? What do we have to do to move up? How much does it cost to move up? And that'll be interesting to see because I feel like I feel like uh, teams like the Lions, uh, maybe even uh, the Texans will be looking to be like, okay, well, hey, uh, let's let's try to make a deal here. I mean, because like you know you you want to. They want to grab more future picks because they're in such a rebuild where not only is this one player going to help, but what what can we what can we what can we acquire for the future in with the, with the draft going yeah. into next year and the years after that? Yeah, trading down is something that the Lions I feel like are in a good position to do so, and I would love to see them do that. Uh, I think what they're I think honestly what they're probably worried about is you want a game wrecker, especially at edge. It, you're gonna have to stay in probably the top seven, eight picks. So, and I think what the narrative has been driven so hard is, I think a lot of other teams are confident that like the Lions are gonna be probably not looking at a quarterback number two now, even though that was a still it is still a bleak possibility. I mean, it would be a little bit of a reach for me to see Malik Willis go. There's been two. some talks. There's been There's some been talks. talks though. So it's not it's not out of the question if it happens tonight. I will be shocked for five seconds, and then I'll be like, you know what? If they like him that much and they want him, why not? Why not take him and not necessarily try to wait it out? Um, but I think if you're in a position, like I was really hoping the Lions would keep up the Malik Willis talk, so we could start hearing some hearing some things fly from Carolina um, and Atlanta, which we have been willing to work with both teams in the past, and especially with the Panthers a year ago, where that was almost where the destination of Matthew Stafford landed, ironically before the Rams offer was too good to pass up um with those connections but you look at a team like pittsburgh like they're in a unique situation right they're at 20 and you're seeing a lot of these mocks come out you're hearing teams big boards now like apparently the lions have a pretty similar big board to the texans by what i've heard which is very interesting to me but on paper it does make a little bit of sense but it's like you have these like literally like what I mentioned earlier, Malik Willis going to thirty two, which I didn't even notice three months ago. And if that was a possibility, I'd be like, yeah, I would absolutely love that. Yeah, that'd be perfect for us almost. But I think you look at where Pittsburgh is. Are they going to be hoping that much that that happens? That they're going to let the board play out, or are they going to try to be aggressive with some of these teams that could use later on capital and try to get into that late, the late tens, the the early teens? and make sure that they get their guy because in reality there's like there's Malik Willis and there's Kenny Pickett but I mean the other guys afterwards it's not like a huge drop it's not like we're talking uh uh, Trevor Lawrence compared to Kyle Trask right there's not like this huge just there's no comparison all these guys there's three tiers here like there's no there's no in between there's no argument for one or for a C guy to be in the A category where these guys all seem like they're like yeah, I mean, if you were to grade like prospects, I mean, you if you put like Trevor Lawrence at an A example, these guys are all like in the B plus to like B minus range. They're all really good. They're not as high up in this class, which is obviously why we still have these debates that they're not going to be in the top you know, five overall picks like it has been years past. 
but you still have all a position where I mean, if the Steelers are looking for just like, yeah, we just need a quarterback. We like all three guys. And it's like, yeah, stay put. You're fine. You don't have to move anywhere because one of them is going to drop unless this board just gets so crazy, which I don't even anticipate that. I would honestly bet that we could see like if there was an over under on two and a half quarterbacks taken, I would take the under because I don't think this I don't think there's that much urgency for teams to take a quarterback in this year's draft as compared to years past, especially knowing what's going to be coming out potentially next year. With the quarterback situation out, yeah. out of the out of the uh, college, yep, you know those are some top three, top four quarterbacks coming out. Uh, you know, never know. You might see um, uh, what's his name? He transferred to South Carolina from Oklahoma. Spencer, oh, yeah, Spencer, Spencer Rattler. If he goes there, Yo, you think Spencer? Spencer, 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 Spencer. <laughs> if he goes, Spencer, Spencer, Spencer. If he goes there and revitalizes his career, I mean, then he's like, you know, he's creeping back up there too. But I mean, you got Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. Uh, the dude from Clemson, DJ Ogalele. Yeah. yeah. Um, next year's next year's draft class for quarterbacks is, I think, going to be pretty scary. Yeah. Which yeah. Is, yeah. I like, and I think because you'll probably have Caleb Williams probably declare if he has a good yep, year at USC. Yep. You'll have, have uh, I mean, depending on how, like, if Michigan kind of has like a repeat year and JJ McCarthy gets a start, like, and he plays pretty solid, or who, or Cade yeah. McNamara gets a start or whatever, like, you'll probably see one of those guys declare for it. I think it's going to be a very heavy first round first round quarterback draft next year yeah so. i think so and i th- and i think that there you're gonna see a lot of that push over this year like you know it's kind of a setup play i think is what a lot of teams see this as because i think and that i think that even puts the lines in a better position because honestly i'm i'm not as urgent as other teams to get a quarterback that yeah. yeah i want guys like edge yes if we took two if we took two edge rushers in the first three picks i'm totally fine with that because that is an urgent need okay. that this team needs and i know we have and the Quark brothers, I get that. We just let go of Trey Flowers. That tells me, yep, they're they're not in with the system anymore. We're going to get some new guys, which is good because the fact of it is those guys are all really good role players. Their upside's a little bit lower than a lot of these guys in the draft, and I think that's okay, and especially considering the health concerns that we've had. How many edge rushers have we lost to injury six games out of the year the last three years? Right. It's been every single year, multiple guys. So the fact of it is you need you need to get these guys immediately so i'm totally fine with that i'm not as urgent to get a receiver as well i know some guys want to get 32 or 34 for a receiver i'm cool with it but i mean if there's a potential guy like devin lloyd or nicobe dean on the board at 32 you have to i think i don't think you can do it speaking of that joe gotta go for it go for it i honest i think so like honestly i have a problem with joe oh Beef, what? Beef what, what about? I, are you talking about with me? I what seen, was it? I, I seen the mock draft. Oh, here we Ritter, go. Dustin I seen Ritter you Ritter. pick Darian Beavers <laughs> oh, over, yeah. over Devin Lloyd. <laughs> what is what is going on? Well, here's the thing. We do have I, to spice it up a little bit. Like two picks before that, one of my picks got taken. So then, like my mind was just in a scramble to figure out what guy to take. And after that, it just kind of tumbled into just <laughs> a, a fiery dumpster fire. Devin so. Lloyd. If Devin Lloyd fell to number thirty-two, oh my God, I'm I um I would cry, I would cry, cry tears cry. of joy, I would cry, cry tears of joy. There, there's another linebacker I think uh would be pretty good if once if Nakobe Dean and Devin Lloyd get taken early, um I think with either thirty-two or thirty-four you could possibly be looking at uh, Leo Chanel. Yeah, I was gonna say you're talking about Leo. Yeah. yeah, I think he's he'd be one in there. I know there's been a lot of boys about or buzz about Boy Mafe, especially from Detroit's fan base as well, uh, and he would be a good fit for us. I feel like too for Minnesota. Yeah, but then 
I don't know if picking two edge rushers back, back to, to back, back is the would problem because he'd have to go either thirty two or thirty four. Yes, I mean, even then. I so think. you know, that's that's still that's a lot early. I mean, there's a third round edge rusher uh, that. There's been a lot of talk about uh, Cameron Thomas out of mm. San Diego State. Yes, that is a sleeper He's name. He's pretty that good. I so, I mean, third round, you know, potential. I mean, either way, I want the Lions to walk away with two edge rushers in this draft somehow. Uh, just because, even though if we might have a lot of depth at that position, then it's not like any of these guys are for sure starters. Mm-hmm. So, it's, they can get their job taken. Yeah. And I, th- I, th- I love the, the, the points that a lot of. Uh, um, like the guys from Morning Woodward have said, like we're not necessarily looking at players, we're looking at statistics as far as picks are concerned. And I mean that that should immediately tell you we should not take a safety number two oh, overall. No. We should not have been considering Kyle Hamilton from day one. Well, I, I mean, he's a great prospect, but not number two. And no, now, no and, way. And now that what we've done in the free agency, I don't even think a safety is anywhere even near like the top. Four picks. I think I think that might be a fifth round thing just to get for a backup because I mean you just brought these guys in, see how it works out. If it doesn't next year, you got that you got that that second round pick to pick another safety. Or, but you have to see what these guys are going to do first. Um, and there's other dressing needs that you could pick up in this draft that are heavy on. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of the ones I follow CBS Sports uh, more than uh, some of the other platforms. I love the work they do, especially on the PixX Pod. Those guys are awesome. Uh, like I've looked at some of their things and a lot of them are just sold on. Yeah. 32 is going to be a quarterback, whether it's Desmond Ritter, if Kenny Pickett somehow falls, if it's Sam Howell, I brief, I'm going to briefly just let that one if go. If the Lions pick a quarterback anywhere in this draft, I'm going to cry. <laughs> uh, brother, I think tears it, of sadness. I think, Joe. I think it's a reality, my friend. Um, uh, but a lot of them, I think are, would agree that the, the first team that will likely be looking at taking one is the Panthers, and I think the the biggest thing, too, with uh, some of the quarterbacks is I think a lot of teams aren't feeling as urgent even in the 20s because I think middle rounds, I think we've talked about for sure, is the run on receivers is probably going to be insane. I think that we could potentially see seven, eight receivers taken in this first round, which is one of the most that we've had in a long time. And I don't. I think it was like 2004. I think I heard was like the last time we've had more than like seven receivers. There's only been one really relevant one, and it's Larry Fitz. Yeah, he's the only one that was really relevant out of that draft class in the receiver position. But you look at what a lot of these teams have; they already have pretty solid foundations. Like you, like if you look at teams like Washington, Houston, Philly, Saints. All those teams, are like yeah, could use a quarterback. And I feel like even if the the Steelers are in a position where they have a Chris Olave on the board, a Jamison Williams on the board, uh, any other sort of a good receiver. I think maybe you, you hold the brakes a little bit when you get to like Traylon Burks and some of those guys. But you have all those guys starting to go up. George Pickens even could make an argument there that they'll still be able to take him because, I mean, Pittsburgh hasn't – like if they see something that they really need, and I think receiver, especially with Juju leaving, is a need for them now – like that, they're gonna take it, and it doesn't matter exactly where their position is. I mean, we saw what they did with Najee Harris, second round grade. Everybody's like, nope, not in the first round. Twenty five, there he is, and there he goes. So I think they they could be one that could be really influential in this draft because I mean they're also gonna be in the trading market as well. But the amount of receivers that we could possibly see in this first round is just gonna be insane. I think it starts with Drake London or Garrett Wilson. Uh, whoever really the Falcons could want if they don't want to necessarily take a quarterback or, uh, or an edge rusher. Uh, so they probably will start with them. 
The Jets are going to probably be in play with one at 10. Washington will probably take one. Uh, and then, obviously, whatever the board is going to leave Houston, I think they'll start to go in that direction as well. Um, and then Philly, Jamison Williams will be a slam dunk for Philly. So you could, right there, that's five teams looking at a quarterback, or quarterback, a wide receiver uh, for their new quarterbacks in the next, over the seven-pick span. So the reality is teams are starting to feel a lot more comfortable with their positions are later in the rounds. And I think, like, we haven't had in years past where last year was like, yeah, once it's kind of like you either get into – the top 10 or you just sit where for almost almost was like for the receiver specifically uh, but now you're in a position where it's like yeah if you if you're gonna get a receiver you got to get in the mid-teens and you got to trade up that's true i feel like green bay they're gonna pick is probably... this finally the year that green bay will take a skilled position I like, player. I feel like they the don't have a choice. The football. I feel like they don't have a choice because they got rid of everybody. They, <laughs> they literally don't to. really have any receivers on their roster right now. Yes, and I feel like Aaron Rodgers is really in their ear, like, "Hey, if you do this, I'm I not just playing. came back for y'all. Do one thing for me: get a receiver I in our like, room." I feel like they might draft two in the in the first round with their both of their first round picks. I feel like they draft two receivers. Yeah, I believe Joe also had. Or they might try I to had, move. I had two one receivers. of them. I think I chose. Was, was it Chris Olave to choose? They might even try to move up. Mike, you picked him for the Saints. Yeah, oh, you two. had uh, – did you have Traylon Burks? I think so. That's been a common name I've heard that Green Bay is interested in, and 22 is, like, perfect for them. Um, I think all five of the mock drafts I've seen, um, at least for CBS side, I know multiple ESPN ones, have them selecting at least one, some two. Some <laughs> There was one where I saw zero, and I was like, if they do this, if you beg and get Aaron Rodgers back – and you don't get him one, just one. You have 22 and 28. You can assess a defensive need later. You can get a safety, a linebacker, defensive lineman, a pass rusher at the 28 spot. There's going to be a position for them to do that. But the fact of it is you're not going to make Aaron Rodgers happy doing that first and then passing up receiver later for the next couple of rounds because they've missed on, I believe, almost all of them that they've taken in the second or third rounds. I think the only one that was close was Amari Rodgers. Um, and he hasn't even played that much. Right. There's a possibility that the Lions possibly move that 32. I feel like they could either move up or they can move back and acquire more picks if they mm-hmm. move back. Moving up, I feel like they might try to like move up and grab one of those one of those big name receivers before they're gone. Yeah. I but, think I, I think I saw one where they we actually traded out with Seattle at thirty two because um uh Matt Corral was still there after they took Kavion Thibodeau falling to nine, which would be like it'd be interesting. I'd love to see what the I could see Seattle details would be Detroit trading for two and switching to a nine. I feel I would, like Seattle might get cold feet. I would love that. Get a little nervous that Carolina's up there wanting a quarterback and That'd be that'd be nice, and then I can finally get my my pick at number nine, and I'll be happy with that. Jermaine Abs- Johnson at number nine. <laughs> I see, I see, I see. You're a bit really big on Jermaine Johnson compared to some of us. I I personally would think that I I, I love Hutch. I love what he brings. I hate the slander that he's gotten. I can understand where people are kind of like, yeah, he's getting kind of overhyped a little bit. I I can totally understand that. Mm-hmm. Well, we love, saw that in the we saw that in the I mean playoffs. Like, we saw what he did. He's, so he's definitely a good player. I just feel like uh, I feel like the Jags, t- if they take him, I mean, it's you know, and pretty much all the really the pressure is really on the Lions. He's gonna have some really he's, he's gonna have some really valuable time to develop in camp. 
because when what was it we played Georgia or whatever and they just shut him down. Yeah. Like that's, that's one thing that like something. was not super great to see because you thought oh like nobody could stop Aiden Hutchinson, but I think especially in camp and you'll be able to get reps against NFL talent guys. I think with his attitude and what he's been able to do, especially against the Detroit, I think he'll be able to really develop into a, a really solid player that is going to be a solid pick. But that's if he drops a two, and that's if we take yeah. him. Yeah. He should. has to drop, though. Yeah, he does have he to has to drop, and we have to decide to take him. It's got to start with Jacksonville, and they, they're going to have to pass him up. But, um, yeah, I guess moving forward now, uh, getting into some bold predictions before tonight, um, I, there's a lot of that could be done. Um, I, I can start off with one that I think is – I think it's realistic. It's out there, but I think it's realistic. I think there's a chance we see eight receivers gone in this first round. Very, I respect very it. high number, and it's pretty crazy to think, yeah, one out of every four picks is going to be a pass catcher. But, I mean, with the league changing, and, I mean, especially with a lot of these teams being so, I wouldn't want to say offensive-oriented, but the reality is the success that young receivers have had so far over the last couple of years with, with guys like Jamar Chase, Monty Smith. Yeah. You have those guys that have really Justin Jefferson being a prime example. DK Metcalf was a second round guy, but I mean, you can still argue that. I mean, if you would have been redrafted, you might've took him in the first round, but I think you look at where a lot of those guys are at now. It's like, yeah, I mean, we can try to go with a later route, which I think the lions I'm, I'm totally confident the lions want to wait because I mean, they've showed that we can, we can hit in later rounds. Thank I you. F- Amon Ross St. Brown. Beautiful. I, f- I feel like the only receiver that I would want the lions to take. Cause I feel like oh, everyone else is going to be gone. And between 32 and 34, the only possible receiver I could see them taking is Christian Watson just because of mm-hmm. his size, speed and athleticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just things you can't teach. Yeah. He, he would be, he'd be great in that position. <laughs> he's he's so. that deep, the deep ball threat. Um, six four. So I mean, <laughs> six four runs four four. I mean, it speaks it's for crazy. itself. Yeah. yeah. So I think Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, and I would I gotta probably say Traylon Burks will be the definite five from there. So the reality is we're gonna I for my prediction to work we need to see uh, John Dotson, Watkins, and George Pickens probably get taken in that spot. So I think it's possible. That obviously, these are bold. These aren't as likely to happen, but they could happen. Or you could also have Sky Moore in that conversation as well. Um, so yeah. that could also be another one that could float in there if a team wants to take him as a flyer in the late first. Because I think there was one I saw Kansas City he's, would be in that position. Yeah, which that would actually work really well for them. He's been a name that have has crept into that first-round conversation uh, quite a bit, a lot lately. Yeah, so. I would think so for sure. Jeffrey, you got any bold predictions for tonight? My, oh, he's got a smirk on his face. Oh, <laughs> oh, give it to us. My number one bull prediction is the Detroit Lions select Jermaine Johnson at number two. Whoa. That's a big one. I just feel like, you know, like 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 Brad Holmes said, you know, when we got a guy we like, we like him, we're going to get him. Wow, that would be so, bold. I, mean, I, I think it is possible, though, because – Rumors have swirled around the Jets really like him. So his, if you're going to have to take him, you're going to have to take him at two because they're not going to wait until really 10. Nice. Yeah, his yeah, tape is really nice. Four. His, tape, his tape is really nice. Yeah, I think that they're in that position. I would love to see uh, Sauce go to the Jets, but I think that there's probably a pretty good argument that, 
Uh, the Texans might try to snag him at three. There's even rumors that we've wanted to snag him at two. I don't know how I feel about no. that yet. Oh, not no. that high. Not yeah. That high. No. I, I don't know, man. No. Yeah, this, he this... didn't allow a touchdown in his whole like collegiate career. I'm still like... stuck whoa, on whoa, the Whoa, 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 whoa. He said he doesn't remember the last time he allowed a touchdown. Yeah, it could have been preschool. <laughs> Never that's, mind. What preschool. that's what he said, Joe. I, I don't know. No, well, I, mean, respect I want to see the tape, but, but I mean, that's what he said. He definitely had to have allowed one at some point before his college. High school, career. maybe. High school, maybe. maybe like I don't know. It depends where he came, where he played. Though he played here, Detroit. And yeah, played in Detroit. But I mean, he would have. He's played. from Michigan. He would have still. What high school did he go to? Cash tag. I can't remember what no, school, it like, was. No, it was Detroit country. It was, I'm trying uh, to think of all the Detroit schools. No, was it, it Martin Luther King. Oh, shoot, it wasn't uh, Martin Luther King. Uh, I can't remember now off the top of my head. Jeffrey's googling it for us, so he can check it here in a minute. I I thought it was like a like a Southfield or something. I could be totally wrong though. He uh, went to Martin Luther King. Oh, oh he did go to MLK. Yeah. Okay, that shoot, make, that would make sense. So I mean, he would have still had to play, to, like. Good, oh, yeah. team. like you would have played good cast. teams. You would have played all those teams like that cast, yeah. guys. Country Day. Yeah, they would have played all those pro teams. And so then you know yeah, they're always know. in the playoffs. So there's I mean, no way. I, I might have to go back and look at his tape. We're gonna have, have to go. You have to go look at it real quick. But I don't. I don't. I don't know if we'd be. We that'd be a good idea for Detroit taking that early. Like if we decide. Like uh, I, don't know, I don't know if he's a number two. We type. got. We got. Uh, <laughs> we got enough of that early DB. Nope, can't do it. Now don't get me wrong. I. I still have hope for Jeff Akuda. I He's been hit. Wait with till he's get injury bugs. But let's just let's just calm they say down. Get over that, it. Okay? No, I let's, can't get over let's that. Let's calm down. Okay, that was Quintricia. I want pile of garbage. I want to. I want an edge rusher, please. Thank you. I also. Agree. I don't care who it is. Just pick an edge rusher. <laughs> just pick one. <laughs> pick him out of a hat. Just take one, please. Okay, Joe. Bold prediction for tonight. I don't really have a bull. I feel like it's gonna go pretty chalk, oh, to be honest. Yeah. I'll say this. I'll say this. I think that Malik Will is gonna be the last quarterback picked out of the four. Whoa! Whoa. I like that spicy. No, that's definitely a bull prediction. That right will be the last quarterback out of the four to be picked. That is ghost pepper hot right there. That is a hey, that is a cool. Did you do eat a habanero before you walked <laughs> in? I don't know. I, you said what's himself. a bold pick, and I was like, I could see it happening. I could too. I mean, there's. If you look at position wise, Carolina's had Pickett as their spot at eight or sorry, six. You take a guy like Matt Corral, maybe at Falcons. It's not you like want a more the, of a leadership guy? It's not like any of these quarterbacks like, you know, jump out to you, you yeah. know. Yeah. And then all, all in the same like, realm. And then twenty, you want a gritty guy with Desmond Ritter that's gonna be have longevity. And they're then, if he's there at twenty, the Steelers are definitely going to take Malik Willis. I, you oh, never yeah. know, well, though. Like, I just feel like that's the buzz that's been crazy. going on. Crazy, we have seen crazy. We have, we have. So I think it's possible. Sleeper? It is very spicy, though. That is that is a spicy take right there. Oh, there's also one I would like to add that is not a first round related. That a fair state bulldog will be drafted on day three. It will happen. It'll be Pasquale or Nano right. Bead. Right Mark My it bad. down. Joe just got so anxious jumping out of his chair when I said that. I Actually, think I he's excited, man. Bad. He's excited. I you know I go. Well, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be the year. I think this could be too. I think we got a pretty solid group coming in. I say probably almost. I say we're probably gonna get four at least go through undrafted. Yeah, probably I think go to so. free agency, cool. and we'll probably get one. Yes, I feel like Bernhardt's gonna get picked up in free agency. I don't know why teams wouldn't. Yeah, I believe we've heard. I know that I've heard. 
some things go around, and I've saw some things related to um, the Chargers liking Obed as a potential day three guy, and I would be like, that would be pretty sick to see him go there in the seventh round. I think it's definitely possible, even the sixth round. Um, for those that assume that Bernhardt is going to be drafted on Saturday, I'd say oh, don't get your hopes up. Hold your horses a little It'll bit. It'll be sweet, but the reality of it is, as great of a player he was, teams are going to have a hard time taking a specialist potential player as a draft pick. I think yeah, it's, right. it's hard to I do I feel that. like the smart idea is just to go through free agency Bingo. for him. Exactly. Right? For both parties, honestly, because that way you can kind of negotiate a little bit. And, like, he's a guy who's probably going to only be – because he's only got, what, a 4 five forty. He's He's fast, obviously, and he's good in the open field and, like, with one-on-one situations. So he's probably just going to chill at a kick return or a punt return rather than kind of – mold into that receiver spot because we've never seen him kind of off the line of scrimmage what he's been able to do to create separation with that not saying that he's not going to be able to because we've seen what he's been able to do on the lacrosse field and that's almost the exact same thing uh especially with just trying to create separation but i think especially if you look at where he's going to go like i think denver's probably going to look for him in free agency I know what was what was he talking to the Patriots as well. Yeah, the Patriots. Belichick always loves D two D three guys. You know he's gonna be snoozing. The guy guy scores what an eighty plus yard run touchdown on the first play of the game in a national championship. Yes, uh, sixty four. I think it was sixty four yards. Yeah, sixty four. He scored what three rushing touchdowns in the national championship. Yeah, he also had a. He also had a fifty eight or no sixty eight yard run first game of their semifinals too. Against yeah. Shepard on the first play, they talk about starting ridiculous. off starting off strong. It's an understatement, but yes, I do believe we will have our first pick since 2018 when Zach Sealer was taken by the Baltimore Ravens. I think that we will see another lineman go off the board this time on the offensive side of the ball. That is my bold prediction, but we'll be watching our dogs for sure on the draft nights for sure because I believe there will be a lot that will be definitely considered. Uh, in the undrafted free agency process because there's a lot of good football players that come here because you can get there from here. Yep, exactly. Absolutely. But thank you guys so much for tuning in to this NFL draft preview episode. We appreciate all of your views. Jeffrey, thank you for joining us, my friend. Love thank hearing you your insight. Me. Always good to have Joe on as well. You know, we're just kind of, kind of our show. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We're kind of supposed to be here. Big uh, Joe. So we both we both missed our time, but I mean, it's definitely great to still you'll be making banger content. We look forward to doing that next year for you guys as well. We'll probably be having one, uh, probably one show next week uh, during exam week just to wrap it up before the summer. Before Joe heads on a plane, you on a plane or a car? Driving. You're driving. Ooh, Ooh, driving. That is a quick okay. little twenty something hour drive down to Florida. So that's gonna be a blast. Oof, that's a long. Hey, it's gonna be three months of nonstop work, and then we'll be back here in the studio. Gonna be blast, I absolute right. blast. Gonna be a banger. Gonna That's be right. fun. But until next week and potentially the fall. Take care, everybody. <laughs>